I love you. Uh, open your Bibles to... Man, there's a lot less people once the kids uh, kids leave. Uh, Daniel 9, I'm going to start in verse 18. This is uh, Daniel's prayer. He says uh, that we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts. But based on your abundant compassion. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. Is that mine? Guys, I had her all by myself uh, till three yesterday, and she didn't cry one time. So I don't know. My book comes out soon. Um, Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My God, for your own sake, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. This is God's word. So, uh, if you've been following, we're in Daniel 9 now. That comes after Daniel 8. And Daniel 9 is a big deal. Okay, it's a, uh, Particularly, verses 24 through 27 are a very big deal. But unfortunately, because... 24 through 27 are such a big deal. Verses 1 through 23 kind of get missed. They kind of, you know, you, she's really loud. Um, you you kind of, they, they, they kind of fade into the background, which is an absolute shame, okay, that, that 1 through 23 don't get their due because 1 through 23 give us the best example, the best example, uh, as it concerns study, as it concerns prayer, um, confession, repentance, and 1 through 23 lays out for uh, us yet again God's commitment to be faithful to the covenants that he's made to Israel, which lead to God being faithful to the covenants leads to the restoration of all things. It leads to the undoing of death and it, it leads to the blessing of all the nations. So it's a really big deal. And Daniel nine um, puts that out there yet again. So this is a fantastic section um, of scripture. So we'll start verse one of Daniel nine in the first year of Darius, the son of uh, Amid by birth. Who was made king over Medo-Persia. So we're back now in in chapter 5 and 6. right? Belshazzar has thrown his big idolatrous feast. With uh, taking the stuff that belongs in God's temple. And using it to have a drunken gross party. God writes on the wall. Says that uh, you've been weighed. You've been measured. You've been found uh, wanting. Um, Heath Ledger. Um, and, uh, and that night, that very night, the, uh, the Persians and the Medes, they stop the river, they cross over, they sack Babylon, and they're in charge now. Now Darius and Cyrus, or really Cyrus, um, are ruling. So verse 2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, I understood from the books, uh, uh, from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, uh, to the prophet Jeremiah. So... Daniel is 80-ish years old right now. Uh, He's serving under yet another Gentile king. And what is Daniel doing? How's he spending his time? He's reading the Bible. Yeah, he's reading the Bible. And and because Daniel is one of those um, backwoods, uneducated, ignorant evangelicals, he considers the Bible the word of the Lord. Okay? Amen. Amen. Gladly... Gladly wear that uh, moniker, okay? We believe the Bible. Yes, we do. Absolutely. The word of the Lord, particularly 
through the words to Jeremiah and through Jeremiah, who Daniel might have known as a young man. So Jeremiah is an old man when Daniel's a young man and the uh, deportation is, is happening. Like Jeremiah is prophesying and, and Daniel's a teenager in the city, probably knows that's Jeremiah. I, I, he's the guy who, who cooks food over poop. You know, like he, he knows who who Jeremiah is and he's reading his words and he thinks this is the word of the Lord. OK, Daniel believes the scriptures are the word of the Lord. And what did Daniel read from Jeremiah that the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem and, and uh, by extension, the, the uh, exile of the people, um, the desolation of Jerusalem, it would be 70. OK, so Daniel's reading his his scroll here, right? He's not on an iPad. He looks like scroll. And in this portion of the scroll, he read what would be Jeremiah chapter 25. So we'll read what Daniel read. Um, he says, this is what the Lord of armies says, because you, Israel, have not obeyed my words that I spoke to Moses. I, and through Jeremiah, I am going to send for my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, right? Daniel chapter one, who invades Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. I'm going to send for my servant against this land, against its residents, and I will completely destroy them. And I will make Israel an example of horror and scorn. And this whole land will become a desolate ruin. And these nations will serve the king of Babylon for how long? 70 years. Okay. And then he keeps reading. He gets to chapter 29, which whatever, 29. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you, Israel. I'm going to come and take care of you. And I will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. What place? That patch of dirt that God promised to Abraham in Genesis 12. I'm going to scatter you to Babylon. And after 70 years, I'm going to bring you back. Just like I said I would because I'm faithful to do what I had said. Right. So the Lord says through Jeremiah in covenant discipline, I exiled you from the land. But after 70 years, I'm going to bring you back. Right. Time out will end. Right. You put your kid in time out. Hopefully they learn their lesson and they come back in. And then he keeps reading and he gets to everyone's favorite um, graduation present verse. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Like graduation is a couple months away. You will see this a lot. All right. Jeremiah 29, 11, He keeps reading for I know the plans I have for you. High school graduate plans for your well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Right. Writing to Israel to give you a future, to give you a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me. You will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you from all the nations and places. Places where I banished you, I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. That's awesome, right? Especially if you're Daniel, especially if you're in exile. So he's reading the scroll, the word of the Lord, and he's getting excited about what he's reading, and then he starts to count. Okay? So he gets out his abacus, right? You know, <laughs> gets out his abacus, and he's like, okay, in 605, we went into exile, all right? Carry the one, right? Figure this out. It's getting close to 537, 538. That's like 68 years. Hey, we're going home, right? Like it's almost been 70 years. Like we're about to go home. So Daniel trusts the prophetic word. 
He reads in Jeremiah, he lives it, right? He lives the exile. He starts to count and says, hey, God is not a liar. Okay, this is about to happen. Through Jeremiah, the Lord announced that kings and kingdoms would rise and fall. What happened? Kings and kingdoms rose and fell. He predicted that Israel would be disciplined through exile. That happened. And then he predicted that the Lord would regather them after 70 years. So Daniel, and Daniel's like, all right, we're 68. We're, we're almost there. Okay, and so Daniel is, is just like, he's swept up in the middle of this, right? He's like watching prophecy unfold before his eyes, and he's really excited um, about it. Okay, so notice what he does um, next. And that first point was just to say, guys, read your Bible, all right? Read it as the word of the Lord. So notice what he does next, verse 3. So, since in his Bible study he realized the exile's almost over, what does he do? So I turn my attention to the Lord God to seek him. By prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Okay? So he's got the prophetic word. It's sure. It's reliable. Okay? Like he can actually trust what, what God has said. The, the sovereign God is moving history forward in his appointed times and seasons. But Daniel understands that God's purpose and, and God's future, while surely going to happen, okay? Like God is watching over his word to perform it to the minute, like it's going to happen. Daniel understands that God's future is not accomplished without his people praying, okay? Like, this is just how God has set it up to work. He's going to get it there by his power, and he calls on his people to participate in what he's doing, right? So, knowing the future, knowing what God has said, is not, for Daniel at least, an excuse to sit on his bottom, it, it, it means, no, this actually fuels him to get into the story and to seek the Lord by prayer and petition and fasting, going after what God's doing. Does that make sense? Like, just because God is moving history in this way doesn't mean that God's people go, cool, he's going to do it. No, we, we give ourselves to what he is doing. And, and Jeremiah told Daniel to do this, right? The prophecy said this, verse 12, you will call to me, right? I'm going to bring you back after 70 years, but... You will call to me, and you will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. So that's what Daniel does, right? Like, he doesn't, he's not fatalistic or deterministic. He's like, no, God said this will happen, so I'm going to seek him as he's doing this. I'm going to give myself to it, okay? And this should be our model, okay? Knowing the future does not mean that we sit on our bottoms, okay? Will the glory of the Lord cover the earth as the waters cover the sea? Absolutely. So give yourself to that, right? Will, will all the nations hear the good news of Jesus? Absolutely. So you give yourself to it, right? You don't just say, oh, God's got it. Of course he's got it. So join him, right? This is how it, it's set up um, to work. I don't understand all of it, but this is what Daniel does. So we should do it too, okay? So Daniel studies, he trusts the scripture, he prays, and then... Uh, though Daniel has no lawful business doing so, he's not a prophet proper, he's not a king, he's not a, a priest, he still begins to stand in for the people and, and make intercession for them. Okay, and, and since Daniel is a prayer and Bible guy, right, three times a day towards Jerusalem, he launches into prayer here, and as he does this, uh, scripture flows out. Okay, like you cut Daniel, he bleeds Bible. So verse 4, he says, I prayed to the Lord my God... And confess. So in your Bible, your Lord there should be all caps. Okay? And the reason it's all caps is because... Uh, in, in, is Daryl in here? Daryl's... I think he's on security. Daryl, the Legacy Standard Bible will actually translate this Yahweh. Okay? 
When you see Lord, all caps, that's Yahweh. Okay, that's, and that's God's covenant name. That's the name God has, has uh, identified himself as. It says, hey, this is the God who chose Israel, who bound himself in covenant to her. Right? If it's just lowercase Lord, it's just like, you know, Lord, King, whatever. But this capital, L, L-O-R-D, that's Yahweh. And the reason God, Daniel addresses God as Yahweh here is because Daniel's about to pray concerning the covenant. So he calls him by his covenant name. So he prays, Ah, Lord, the great and lowercase Lord right there, right? Ah, Lord, the, the, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. We've sinned. We, we've done wrong. We've acted wickedly. We've rebelled. We've turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, right? Jeremiah just died, right? We have not listened to him who spoke to uh, your name to our kings, to our leaders, our, to our ancestors, and all the people of the land. So he just gets it out there. Hey, we've sinned, right? No hiding it, no trying to soften the blow, just flat out. We is dumb. We've done dumb things. We've continued to do dumb things. So he keeps praying. Verse 7, Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but this day public shame belongs to us. Right, public shame. Israel goes into exile. What are the nations saying? Those are the guys who got out of Egypt. Those are the guys who like took Jericho and and, and Og and all, all those kings. Those guys. Now they're pathetic exile. Right, you know what I mean. Public shame belongs to them, um, to Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, and all Israel. Right, northern and southern kingdom. We're all, we've all sinned. Those who are near, those who are far, and all the countries where you have banished them because of the disloyalty. They've shown to you, right? God says, only worship me. Who are they worshiping? Everyone else, right? (laughs) Okay. Verse 8, Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, our leaders, our ancestors, because we have sinned. Verse 9, compassion and forgiveness, they belong to the Lord our God, though we've rebelled against him and we have not obeyed the Lord our God. All Israel has broken your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. So notice that Daniel is using words like we and all Israel to describe Israel's sin. Okay, but he didn't do it. Right. Daniel one tells us he's a righteous and devout Jewish man. But in the tradition of Moses, in the tradition of the priests and and the prophets and and in the tradition of the later prophet like Moses, Jesus, who's to come. Daniel is a righteous man within an unrighteous nation who is standing in for them and interceding and praying and, and taking responsibility for what is not his fault. Does that make sense? Like I can paint a picture like this is what Jesus does, right? He did not sin, though he knew no sin. He Made him sin, right? Like he, he stands and it's not his fault. He's taking responsibility. This is what righteous men do. Okay. This is what righteous Israelites do. They, it, it's a long tradition of them doing this. So he keeps going. He says that the promised curse written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. Right. Moses said, if you do this. I will do this. This is what happened. He has carried out his word that he spoke against us and against our rulers by bringing on us a disaster that is so great that nothing like what has been done to Jerusalem has ever been done under all of heaven. So what Assyria did and what Babylon did to the people of Israel, Daniel says that's never been done before 
Verse 13, just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquities and paying attention or or heeding your truth. Okay? So I just want to point out quickly here that Daniel's seeking the Lord, right? He's he's praying, he's going after God here. And for Daniel and, and for all the biblical authors, true repentance, like true seeking the Lord that he's talking about is the whole person, okay? It's it's the whole person, like the idea that turning to the Lord, seeking the Lord, uh, uh, repenting, the idea that that involves walking an aisle one time and saying in your heart and mind, I'm turning to the Lord, but not actually turning, not act, like they're not actually being a behavior change or a life change. That's not actually seeking the Lord. Right. This is what Daniel says. We have not sought the favor of the Lord by actually turning from our iniquity. By actually going another way and, and to heed his instruction doesn't mean to just hear it, right? Right? Well, officer, I heard you say slow down. I didn't slow down. So I didn't actually, you know what I mean? Like this is, is the same uh, way. So to say I'm turning, but not actually turning, it's, it's really not turning to the Lord at all. And so for Israel to turn to the Lord, for, and for you to turn to the Lord, means to have a change in our deeds as well, right? Like you can actually see, I was murdering people, for example. <laughs> I was murdering people. I turned to the Lord means I stopped murdering people. That's, that's an extreme, but it's the same thing, right? I was giving myself to drunkenness. Now I'm not giving myself to drunkenness. I was giving my, you know, like, like fill in the blank there. Any of Paul's vice list, fill in the blank. To turn to the Lord means to actually turn to the Lord, right? This is what the, all the prophets called Israel to. This is what John the Baptist calls Israel to. This is what Jesus calls Israel to. Hey, guys, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, Actually turn. Paul stands before the Gentiles, Acts 26, and says that you guys need to turn to the Lord and do works worthy of repentance. Right? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So if you're here today and you're not turned to the Lord, well, today is the day to do that. Right? Right. Today's the day of salvation. Today is the day to, hey, I'm walking this way on a path that leads to death, on a broad road that leads to death. Let's turn today by the power of the spirit, by the mercy of God, get on that narrow road that leads to life and actually walk it out. Okay, actually aim your heart, soul, mind, strength and and deeds um, to follow him. Okay, so put your trust in God's mercy in the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll actually be forgiven. Okay. Put your trust in his resurrection as the guarantee of your resurrection on that day. You'll actually be raised. Cry out for mercy. Cry out for the spirit. Get on the path and ask us to help. Okay? God will send the spirit to help. He'll give the scriptures to instruct. And he will put people around you to say, hey, we're going to go this way. Okay? We're not just going to say things. We're going to, to do things. So, you have questions about that, you can talk to a member of our church. Um, you can talk to me or any of our other, other elders, but let's get on the path that leads to life. Let's turn from iniquity by turning from iniquity like Daniel prays, okay? Verse 14, verse 14. So the Lord kept, he's still praying, the Lord kept the disaster in mind. He brought it on us for the Lord our God is righteous in all that he has done, but we have not obeyed him. So it, it, all Daniel's doing here is he's praying Deuteronomy, okay? 
That's all he's doing in Leviticus 26, these, this cycle that Moses prophesies um, that there would be sin in Israel. The Lord would send a, a discipline according to the covenant. And after repentance, God would restore them. And this cycle runs over and over and over and over. And this is one reason I think you should be a Christian. And I think you should trust that the scriptures are true because Moses prophesies this stuff. And then you can just look at human history. And how is, how, what has the life of Israel been, Right? Sin, idolatry, covenant discipline, repentance, restoration. Sin, right, over and over and over and over and over and over, okay? And so the fact that these things have happened to Israel, like on a schedule, okay? The fact that these things have happened in this way is evidence, Daniel says, of God's righteousness. And when I say righteousness, I mean of God's faithfulness to act in accord to what he has said, Right? If I say something, that I'm going to do something, and I don't do it, I'm not righteous. I'm not faithful to do it. God says, I'm going to do this, and then he does it, and you say, God's righteous, right? He's faithful to act according to what he has um, said. So Daniel highlights this a couple times. Verse 7, he says, the Lord, Lord, righteousness belongs to you. Okay, verse 14, Lord, you're righteous in all that you have done, all right? So this is important here, so if I bored you, come in real quick, all right? It's really important. The fact that these covenant disciplines have come on Israel is actually really, really good news for Israel. Okay? It tells Israel that the God that we met at Sinai, okay, that you know, Moses goes to the mountain, he's like, Who are you? This God that we met at Sinai is one hundred percent faithful to his word. And I don't, we don't have to guess with him how he's going to act, right? The other gods of the nations are kind of fickle, right? They say they're going to do something and they don't do it, all right? Or they say they're not going to do something and they do it. They're like, well, our God, he is righteous and faithful and does what he says. So it's good news for Israel because if God was faithful to the covenant, if he acted righteously in light of his promise, that means he'll be faithful to the other aspects of the covenant. The promises that say if Israel repents... God will forgive them. God will restore them. He will lift the curses and bring them into the land. And they don't have to guess how he's going to respond. Right? He's been faithful to the discipline part. He'll be faithful to the restoration part. We, have, we, have, we can trust this guy. And so this is how Daniel starts the prayer. Verse 4. Ah, Lord, the great God who keeps his gracious covenant. He's just praying Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy 4. He, uh, Moses said that the Lord will scatter you. There you will worship man-made gods. So where's Daniel been? In Babylon. And they were trying to get him to do what? Worship, right? Moses, right? Yet again. Verse 29. But from there, you will search for the Lord your God. You will find him when you seek him with all your heart and soul. What's Daniel doing? Seeking the Lord with all his heart and soul. Okay, verse 30. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you in the future, in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. He will not leave you, destroy you, or forget the covenant that uh, that he made with your ancestors, that he swore to them by an oath. Because the Lord your God is a compassionate God. So Dan, like, you know what I mean? Like Dan, this prayer is not new revelation to Daniel. He's just praying Deuteronomy. He's just a good... Well, he's an old Jewish man now. He started as a good Jewish boy. Now he's a good Jewish man, and he just owns this, right? Lord, you gave us clear commands, okay? And we gave you the middle finger, right? That's, that's what this prayer is. You gave us commands, we threw you off, and we've deserved everything that's come our way, just like you promised would happen. 
Okay? But then Daniel appeals to those same promises that brought cursing on them to invoke God's compassion on them. Verse 9, he says, Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God. You acted righteously in disciplining us, and you will also act righteously in restoring us. We don't have to guess with the God of Israel. Daniel knows the covenant, and so he prays according to it. And in the covenant, he knows God will respond to repentance with compassion. Okay, Isaiah 40, you're probably familiar um, with this passage, but knowing what we know about the covenant and the cycle, listen to what the Lord says through Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Announce to her that her time of hard service is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. She's she's received her discipline. But on the day that she turns, her iniquity is pardoned, right? Her, Her sin is cast into the sea, removed from them as far as the east is from the west. Daniel is just appealing to the Lord based on his promises and based on his character that he actually will do what he says. Okay, that's a I mean, that's a that's a big, big deal. But we got to finish here. All right. So now that he's repented, he, he has confessed his sin. Now, he, right. He's he's buttered the Lord up. And now he's going to ask him for something. Right. Your kids do the same thing. Oh, Mom, you're so sweet. Can I have right? Like this is what Daniel's doing. Are your, your kids don't do that. They're just OK. Do your wives do that? Verse 15, he's going to ask now. Now, Lord, our God, who who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a strong hand and made your name renowned as it is this day, we've sinned, we've acted wickedly. So he says, God, because of the exodus, the nations know your name. Right. Like that. That's how they know. Right. So they uh, arrive at Jericho. Joshua and and, and Caleb go in there. um, And uh, this is what Rahab says to them. So Joshua, chapter two, she says to Caleb and Josh, she says, hey, you're Israelites. They go, yeah, but don't tell anyone. Right. (laughs) She says, we have heard. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you made your way out of Egypt. Verse 11, when we heard this, what the God of Israel did to the gods of Egypt, when we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. So the point in Daniel's prayer is that God's name is known all right, and feared because of how he acted in rescuing Israel. God rescues Israel. His name is known. So verse 16 Lord, in keeping with your righteous acts, Lord, in keeping with being faithful to the covenant, what does Daniel now ask? Lord, may your anger and your wrath turn away from where? Your city, Jerusalem. And what mountain? Your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors, Jerusalem and your people have become an object of ridicule to all the nations around us. So when God rescues Israel in the Exodus, the nations praised Israel and trembled before Israel's God. But when God disciplined Israel, according to the covenant, the nations mocked Israel and mocked Israel's God. That's a real problem for God, right? Because he's jealous for his name to be known in the earth, all right? So Daniel's buttering up the Lord uh, with his name. Like, God, your name's going to look bad 
if this doesn't happen. So verse 17, therefore, our God, hear the prayer and petitions of your servant. Lord, hear me doing what Deuteronomy told me to do. Hear me doing what Jeremiah told me to do. And what's his prayer? Make your face shine on your desolate sanctuary for the Lord's sake. What's the sanctuary look like when Daniel's praying right here? It's been sacked. It's been it's been stolen from. It's it's been uh, desolated. He's asking God, God, restore the city, restore the mountain, restore the people, restore the temple for your name's sake. Right. Because of what this looks like for for you. Verse 18. Lord, listen closely and hear. Open your eyes. See our desolation and the city that bears your name. Right. So he points to Jerusalem thousands of miles away. That's in a, 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 a horrible way. Right? It looks like a like a post apocalyptic movie. Right. It looks bad. He points at it and he says, God, your name is on that thing. What will the people say if your name is on that city? What do they say about a God who can't protect his own temple? That he's strong? No, that he's weak, right? Marduk and Baal and, you know, fill in the blank. They're strong. They destroyed the temple. God of Israel is weak. He can't protect his temple, can't protect his city, can't protect his people. And keeps praying, for we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts. We haven't acted faithfully. He's made that clear. But based on your abundant compassion, Lord, hear, Lord, forgive, Lord, listen and act. And then finally, Daniel's end to the prayer. My God, for your own sake, for your own sake, Lord, do not delay because your city and your people, Jerusalem and the people of Israel, they bear your name. Okay, so that's Daniel's appeal. That God would, in keeping with the stipulations in the covenant, respond to Israel's repentance. Which right now is just one guy, right? One guy standing in for all the people. God, respond to me and regather the people, rebuild the city, restore the temple. That's the ask, okay? But what, what's the, uh, the basis of the ask? Okay, what, what leverage does God use to urge God to act? My God, for your own sake, do this. For your sake. Rescue the people, restore um, the city uh, and people that bear your name. So as long as they, as long as the people and the city and the temple, as long as that sits in ruins, okay, as long as that's not a uh, shining like a city on the hill, as long as that's, it's like that God's name is profaned among the nations. The nations look at the people of Israel, they look at the city of Jerusalem, and they make a judgment on their God. Like Their God is weak, their God can't protect them, their God can't keep his promises. So this is the same strategy um, that, that Moses takes, right? Moses um, comes down the mountain, and Israel's worshiping a cow. Is Easton here? Easton? What are we doing, man? Have we watched it yet? Oh, come on! <laughs> come on! He comes down the mountain. The, you know, sorry, since you haven't watched the whole story, they're worshiping a cow, and the Lord uh, Moses says to Aaron, "Aaron, what's what's going on?" And he goes, "They handed me their jewelry. Cow popped out. That's that's really all I know, Moses. You know what I mean? Like totally abdicating responsibility for for the whole bit." And so the Lord tells Moses, "Like, hey, I see what they're doing down there." He says, "Moses, back up." Okay, I'm going to send fire from heaven, destroy these wicked people, and I'm going to start over with you. And what does Moses say to the Lord here? Okay, Moses says, Lord, I'm going to read it, I'm running out of time. 
He says, Lord, if you do this, if you destroy your people that you rescued, what will Egypt say? If you do this, Lord, what what will Egypt say? What will Egypt think of you? They will think that you are a God who lies. You are a God who is weak, a God who said that Abraham's family would uh, inhabit this land and dwell securely in this land forever. You said that, but you couldn't actually do it. Okay, you couldn't overcome their stubborn hearts. You're weak. You couldn't do it. You couldn't actually bring it about. That's what Egypt will say. Okay, Moses appeals to God's name being known in the nation's For him to act in a certain way or another. So if God's name is mocked among the nations by the desolation of Israel. Which has been the case. That means God's name is vindicated by the restoration of Israel. Does that make sense? If the nations mock the name of the Lord because of what Jerusalem is like. Okay. The nations will tremble and fear and praise the name of the Lord. When Jerusalem is restored, when it's made new, when the people come back. So the ground of Daniel's appeal is God's concern for his own name among the nations. It's not a small deal. Like it's not, it's not, it, this, is a, this is a big deal, okay? Two, two more passages and then I'll be done. Okay, Ezekiel 20. Ezekiel says, as a, uh, through the, the Lord says, I, as a pleasing aroma, I will accept you, Israel, when I bring you out from the peoples and I gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered. And I will manifest my holiness among you in the sight of the nations, right? My name will be hallowed. My name will be set apart in the sight of the nations. How? By me regathering you, right? This is the Lord's prayer. Hallowed be your name is, is not a, a is not a, a exclamation. It's a petition. God, hallow your name. Set your name apart among the nations. Verse 42. And you shall know that I am the Lord. When? When I bring you out of exile and into the land of Israel, to the country that I swore to give to your fathers. Verse 44. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I deal with you, when I bring you back in. Why is he doing it? For my name's sake. For my name being known in the nations, I'm going to rescue Israel. It's, it's not a hard... The, the restoration of Israel's people and city and temple and throne is not a side issue to the gospel, nor is it the invention of weird dispensationalists on YouTube. Right? Those are the, those are the Israel people. It's not a, it's, it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to God. God is concerned with Israel and Jerusalem, that city, that people, that mountain, because God's concerned for his own name being known in the earth. I know that, like, that might not land on us as, as you know, Gentiles in Oklahoma in 2024, but it's near and dear to the heart of God. It's what Daniel gave himself to fasting and praying and giving himself for, and so it should be for us. God's promises to Israel, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, the prophets, uh, to Jesus. God's promises to Israel coming to pass is the means by which he is glorified in the earth. So what I mean is, is if the story ends and Jerusalem is not glorified and Israel's not dwelling in the land promised, something changed. Something went very wrong along the way because God's tied his name to it. One more scripture. I read this last night and I could not put it in. So we have to put it in. It's Isaiah 52. 
This is what the Lord says. Which 52 comes before 53, right? You know what 53 is about, right? The, right? The, 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 the means by which God's people will have righteousness and inherit eternal life through the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. So this is Isaiah 53 affirms and confirms Isaiah 52. Okay? So Isaiah 52, this is what the Lord God says. At first, my people went down to Egypt to reside there. Then Assyria oppressed them without cause. So now what I have here, that my people are taken away for nothing. Its rulers wail, and my name is continually blasphemed all day long. My name. Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, they will know on that day that I am he who says, here I am. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things and who proclaims salvation and who says to who? To Zion, your God reigns. The voices of your watchmen, they lift up their voices, shouting for joy together for every eye will see when the Lord returns. All caps, Lord, yeah. When Yahweh returns to Zion. Be joyful, rejoice together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people and he has redeemed Jerusalem. Okay? Isaiah says this in past tense. Has not happened when Isaiah is prophesying, but he is sure of it. God will redeem Israel. He will uh, restore their ruins. Verse 10, the Lord has displayed his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. All the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. How and when? When God restores Jerusalem. When their ruins are built up. All the nations, all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. And they will say, that is a God who is strong enough. That is a God who is faithful enough to do what he said he would do. This is how God said his name's known in the earth, is the restoring of Jerusalem, the restoring of Israel, the regathering of the people, the, the finishing the promises that he, he made. Okay? This is what Moses taught. It's what Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah prophesied. It's what Daniel prayed for. And that prayer will be answered when the Lord Jesus returns to rescue his people, rebuild his city, restore his temple, and sit on his throne. Daniel's prayer is going to get answered, is what I'm saying. Let's pray. Robert, would you come help us, please? Father, help us uh, care what you care about. God, help us... um, Trust the promises to Abraham that they will be um, fulfilled. That all the nations of the earth would be blessed through the righteous seed. God, help us trust the promises to David that a son of David will sit on the throne that Israel will dwell securely and their enemies will not uh, oppress them or attack them as they have up to this day. That your throne and your kingdom would be established forever. God, help us believe and trust in the promises to the prophets. 
that you would make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, that you would give them a new heart and a new spirit, and you'd trade that heart of stone for a heart of flesh, and you would write the law not on tablets but on their heart and cause them to walk in your ways and never turn from you again. And never again will one say to another, Know the Lord, for they will all know the Lord. God, help us say with Paul, That I'm on trial, I'm saying these things, I'm believing these things um, because of the hope of Israel. I'm in these chains because of the hopes that these 12 tribes hope to attain. God, as Gentiles that have been brought into this story by grace, that have been uh, grafted in through the cross, God, help us care about what you care about. Help us not become arrogant. Help us not be ignorant. Help us understand the story. And help us give ourselves to it. Pray into it like Daniel. Not sit on our bottoms. Help us be obedient to Jesus. To go into all the nations. Starting here. Make disciples. Teach them to observe all that you have commanded. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for being with us to the end of the age. Righteousness belongs to you. Faithfulness belongs to you. We know that you will act according to your word. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Um.